the I, biggest what ifs for NL teams, and all it is is a picture of Steve Bartman attempting to ooh, catch the ball. That is a good one. I didn't even look at that because I saved this article for Packers I saw yesterday. So I just what I'll do is if I see an article, I read it. I'm like, oh, I could I could make a topic out of this. Then I send it to myself. So I'll DM it to myself on Twitter. So I didn't see this uh, this <laughs> NL one, and there is Bartman. I prefer to see Cubs pain than Packer pain. Every NL team's biggest what if of the 21st century, and there's Steve Bartman, front page. Is there, when it comes to uh, being a scapegoat or a whipping boy or someone that just got a just a raw deal, is Steve Bartman the number one guy with the worst worst <laughs> deal ever in sports? Oh, I like how they were still trying to get him to go to those games in 2016. He's like, He's no, like, no, I refuse. Is Steve Bartman the worst bad luck story out of all professional sports? Man. I, I honestly, without much thinking and no coffee yet, I've had a few sips. I would say probably, yeah. This guy, uh, I mean, we all know the story of Steve Bartman. Hell, Rowdy went, to, went as him as Halloween one year. I, I almost did one year, but I never could find the, uh, I couldn't find the green, what was it the green turtleneck? Yeah. I, I couldn't find the green turtleneck, and I wasn't going to go buy a full-price turtleneck. Where'd you find your outfit at when you went as Steve Bartman? I think it was from a thrift shop. Yeah. Of course. Steve Bartman, a freaking diehard Cubs fan. We all know the story. Diehard Cubs fan. Eat, sleeps, and breathes Chicago Cubs. He's there listening to him on the radio right next uh, you know, to the wall. And then what? Cubs up 3 nothing. game six, 2003. And then what happens? The follow ball. Castillo's... What is it? Ball fell foul. I just think the funniest thing is he got blamed for all of it, but there was another game after. It was a game seven that they also lost. Yeah. Plus they fumbled that game. They they totally fumbled that game. But at the same time, he wasn't the only person in that area trying to get the ball. And every, I know, everyone around Steve Bartman is doing the exact same thing. (laughs) Reaching out, desperately trying to get that ball. And they're all Cubs fans. So I'm gonna find. Uh, this is interesting. Then I didn't. I'm glad to do this. All right, here's the Brewers. The biggest what if moment for every NL team. What if the Carlos Gomez trade didn't fall apart? They say in July 2015, the Brewers and Mets agreed to a three-player trade that would have sent Gomez to New York for Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler. That's when Flores was crying yes. leaving the field, right? Like because he eyes thought up. he was traded. Yeah, he was crying, bawling as he's leaving. As he's t- uh, running off the field for the Mets. So, Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler, the Brewers were rebuilding and looking to add a young talent. The Mets were in the postseason race and needed another bat, and they were willing to sell low on Wheeler, who was rehabbing from Tommy John surgery to get it. Yep. The, and, and who did they end up trading with? Yeah. The Astros. Yeah, the deal was agreed to, and Flores shed tears on the field that we were just talking about. And then the trade was never completed. You never would have got Adrian Hauser. You never would have got Josh Hader. You yeah. never would have got Brett Phillips. Mets doctors, or Domingo Santana. That was a haul. That was a haul. Mets doctors wouldn't sign off on Gomez's medicals because a hip issue scared them off reportedly, and the trade was called off. That led to the Mets trading for uh, Cespedes, which worked out very well for them, and the Brewers sending Gomez to the Astros. And then exactly what Nelson just said, Josh Hader came back. In the chat, that trade, so did Hauser and two others, Phillips and Domingo Santana. Well done, Nelly. Oh, and Mike Fires went to the Astros in that trade. Yep. 
It was I, Fires and Gomez for those four. Yeah, and I guess you can blame the Mets and Gomez's medicals for Houston sign-stealing scheme being made public. If this happens, do we ever hear about the Mets banging on trash cans and flashing lights and wearing buzzers and God knows what else? Look at the domino effect. Isn't that crazy, the domino effect there? Well, just... You were going to get Wilmer Flores, who never really panned out uh-huh. to really anything great, and Zach Wheeler, who you wouldn't have really seen much fruits of that trade until the last year or so. But instead, you got Josh Hader, who's been the best relief Beast. pitcher in the, in baseball the last two years. Adrian Hauser, who's been a guy you can plug in to the, the rotation and the bullpen, and is hopefully, if they play baseball this year, going to be a decent cog in the starting rotation. Fingers crossed. You got Domingo Santana. That was on the roster for what three seasons? And he's he was still on the. Was the no, no, he, I think he's a free agent. Is he a free but agent? But he now? he had a d- damn good season for that one year where he, he got to play uh, full time in the outfield. And then you got Brett Phillips, which led to another trade. Which uh, great laugh. Yeah, and he they had acquired another relief pitcher for the 2018 bullpen. So like, this those is guys a, this got is awesome. Back. This was awesome. So they say every NL team's biggest what if of the 21st century. Yeah, that is a huge what if. All right, so let, let's talk it out a little bit. So the Brewers would have got Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler if this trade would have worked out. Now, I, know, I don't think you're the biggest Carlos Gomez fan. I love well, Carlos they... Gomez just because of, I'm not saying for all on-field production, but I just loved the personality that Carlos Gomez was. So I, I was wasn't kinda, the biggest Gomez fan. Yeah, I was. Just, I liked his personality. I liked how he just. I liked how he ran base <laughs> when he just full out sprinted when he gets a home run. I just love his personality. But yes, Carlos Gomez trading him was a was a good thing. But could you imagine if this doesn't fall apart and they do get Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler? The Brewers would the Brewers even be looking at going to the NLCS to face the Dodgers? Well, you know what else might domino from this? Wilmer Flores was a second baseman shortstop. Yeah. Orlando Arcia was already in the system because he was signed as a 16-year-old kid, and he was already one of the top prospects at the time. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have moved Arcia, but you know who they probably wouldn't have drafted a few years ago or a couple years ago? Who? Keston Hira. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Wilmer Flores probably would have been your average second baseman. Wilmer Flores. What is he on the Giants now? Yeah, Zach Wheeler, who the Brewers would have got if this would have pulled out or pulled it off. <laughs> Pull out. If they would have pulled it off, Wheeler, uh, let's see, all the way 2019 with the Mets, and this deal dates back to what 2015, right? That where they almost got it done. So with the Mets, Zach Wheeler, 2017, he goes three and seven with an ERA of 5.21. Then in 2018, he's 12 and seven with an ERA of 3.31, and then in 2019, last year. He's 11-8 and eight with an ERA of 3.96. Ooh, and Becker brings up a good point here. Oh, good morning, Becker. What's up, dude? Phillips, I thought I – man, I messed this up. I thought they used Phillips for uh, Joaquin Soria, yeah. which I forgot. No, they got him from the White Sox from a guy from a, the, a different deal, the Lewis Brinson deal mm-hmm. with Texas. He's right. Phillips was traded for Moose. He was part oh, of the yeah, Moustakis deal, so Moustakis. they never would have had Moustakis without Phillips. Man, if if this deal would have pulled off, the Brewers are not even – we're not even talking about the Brewers being in the playoffs. Well, yeah, in 2018, they wouldn't have had that good of a roster. No. And they, the current roster right now, they probably wouldn't have Keston Hero. No. Wow. This is a huge what-if. Well done by CBS Sports. 
Now, could Zach Wheeler, would you have liked Zach Wheeler in the pitching rotation for the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, it would have been nice, but I'd prefer to have three, four, or five other players. <laughs> True, but let's say this deal pulls out. Why do I keep saying pull out? Why, let's see this deal goes through. The Milwaukee Brewers would be nor, nowhere as good as they are, or they were, from 2017 till now. Where would Zach Wheeler fall in the rotation? Right now? If, he was, if, if this would have worked out. He'd probably have been their number one. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Zach Wheeler, last year, 11-8 and eight with the Mets, 3.96 ERA, 31 games. Man, wow. I'll never forget Wilmer Flores bawling his eyes out as he's running running out of, from the outfield. Just crying. Still, there still wasn't no Sean Moreno tears, but. Oh, dude, those are huge tears. Was that what they're in the national anthem? Yeah. Gigantic tears from no Sean Moreno. Let's see here. Let's 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 try to relive it here. The other guys in the dugout too, right? You've got a player who's been in your organization for for seven years, who uh, who you valued, who you are trading clearly to bring back an important asset. Um, and the fact that he's out there and risking injury at a time when you're trying to consummate the trade is strange in in itself. <laughs> But for him to be that emotional and out on the field just strikes me as as odd. Well, yeah, there he is in the field. This is the business part of he's, the game. He's Gary, balling out on the field. Mets are losing uh, to the Padres, seven to two, top of the eighth. Uh, I am not one to, you know, give provide a towel to cry on one's shoulder. But I feel for <laughs> Wilmer. I know exactly what he's going through. Well, this was. Could you imagine that? Like your whole time was with the Mets. You're out on the field, and you learn that you've been traded potentially, and you're bawling your eyes out as your team's losing seven to two, top of the eighth. First of all, bad optics. That why would he even be out there, Rowdy, if they're trading him? That's what I don't understand either. When it happened, I don't get any of this. Well, I don't think anything was finalized. True, but normally, yeah, they would get you off the field so that nothing <laughs> happened to you. As he's crying, poor, poor Wilmer Flores. Do you think he cried when he was eventually let uh, sent to the the Giants? <laughs> he's finally hardened. He's like, nah, uh, I've been desensitized now. Man, that's crazy. Carlos Gomez, that deal falls apart. The Brewers are nowhere, nowhere where they are right now. Yeah, because what's their biggest piece? Hater, right? Hater, who has just been dynamite for the well, Brewers. Well, if you really think about it, every piece was huge. They basically yeah. got something from every single piece of that trade. Yeah. Wow. So, Rowdy, not a big Carlos Gomez guy. No, I would have preferred to keep J.J. Hardy in that trade. but Oh, yeah. You and all the other ladies out there. J.J. Hardy. No, I did like J.J. Hardy. Where did he end up going? Was it the Orioles? The... He went to the Twins. The Twins. Then where did he go after that? Was he ever on the Orioles? Yeah, he was with Baltimore after that. That's what it was. Man, J.J. Hardy. How many... If When you went to Miller Park, and if we still ever are able to again... There's still chicks there rocking the J.J. Hardy t-shirt jersey. Yeah, but now they're just like... 45. <laughs> yeah. And probably most of them don't even know who he is. Oh, yeah, he was that cute guy, right? Well, yeah, you got the, jer- the T-shirt jersey. Man, so many good brewers. What if Ken Griffey Jr. stayed healthy is their biggest what if. His desire to play close to home, not to mention his impending free agency, led to the Mariners trading Griffey to the Reds prior to the 2000 season. Griffey was the game's biggest star, and it was a true blockbuster. He held up his end of the bargain in year one, too. Or Griffey, who just was slugging 40 home runs in 2000. 
even though the Reds went 85 and 77 and finished nine games out of the postseason berth. Yeah, I think that's uh, not only a, a what if for the Cincinnati Reds, but that's just a what if for baseball fans in general. Yeah. Like, I think it was, there's some stat out there that's something like for all major injuries where Ken Griffey Jr. had to sit out for a decent amount of time, he lost like roughly four seasons worth of stats due to major injuries. Yeah, so, I mean, his his time with the Reds after that was riddled with injuries. What, he had knee and hamstring problems? He only played He played in uh, only 554 of 972 possible games from 2001 to 2006. Man, Ken Griffey Jr., probably one of my – I think a, this goes for just about everybody, though. One of my favorite baseball players of all time when it comes to a guy who is just all class. What did, what did Ken Griffey Jr. ever do wrong? Exactly. Nothing. Nothing. That guy how about, was awesome. How about he's one of those athletes like a Michael Jordan that had a logo made after him and he didn't come up with his own logo. Yeah. The swing man. That's how good That's he is. clearly Ken Griffey Jr. That's how good the man is. Man. So there you go, the Reds. Could you imagine if you're a Reds fan, you get Ken Griffey Jr. He's a beast his first year and then just riddled with injuries the rest. The Reds. All right, well, let's find the Pirates here. If you go down the list, the Pirates, what if the Pirates, what if they didn't draft Brian Bullington? General rule of thumb, it's not a good thing when the general manager says he's he envisions the player he just selected with the number one pick in the draft becoming a number three starter. That's what Pirates then GM Dave Littlefield said after the team made Bullington a right-hander out of Ball State, the number one pick in 2002. He said, quote, we still look at him as a couple of years away. Yeah, I'm not, I have no idea who that is. Yeah. How, how about that for instilling a lot of confidence in your number one pick? Eh, we're going to make him our number three, and he's a couple of years away. Then why'd you draft the number one? Potential, I guess. Draft and develop. Could you imagine if the Packers actually selected a wide receiver this year in the draft in the first round, and it's the deepest wide receiver draft ever? You know, it's supposed to be one of the – it'd be like the top eight receiver yeah. in the draft. You're like, well – we're just hoping that he'll be about as good as Devin Funches when it's all said and done. <laughs> what? No, that doesn't. No. Yeah. What if? What if they would have got? You know, reports worth of Packers that they wanted to get up to uh, the Vikings pick and take. They well, reports were they still were going to take Jordan Love no matter what. what was that pick? T- early twenties. I forget exactly what it was. Twenty one, twenty two. And that the Packers were going to trade up with the Vikings for there. Who'd the Vikings take there? Justin Jefferson. Yep. Could you imagine the Packers trading up? Getting Justin Jefferson and then doing what they did with Rashawn Gary, putting him on the bench essentially for his entire rookie season, and then you're saying, just not ready. And then saying that they hope he becomes like a a number three yeah. wide receiver. Yeah, that would be insane. So there's your big what if for the the. That's a pretty bad what if for the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's not many what ifs, I guess, for the Pirates. They say to be fair, for so their GM Dave Littlefield said after the team took him that they. They're going to make him the third starter. He looked a couple of years away. And that, to be fair, the 2002 draft was considered a weak at the time, and Bullington was a legitimate first-round talent. He wasn't the consensus number one talent in the draft. Not even close. That was their Virginia high schooler, B.J. Upton. Or Are ready for this? You know who else was in that draft? Zach Granke. Upton went number two overall to the Devil Rays, and Granke went number six to the Royals. The Brewers grabbed a slugging Florida high school first baseman, though, named Prince Fielder with the number seven pick. 
Now, Bullington for the Pirates, who was taken number one overall, reached the big leagues briefly in 05, though his career largely stalled out when he reached double A in 2004. He went up and down a few times, got hurt, was lost on waivers, spent five years in Japan before calling it a career. You hate to see it. You hate to see it, man. So the here's your biggest what-if moment for all teams now finishing up with the Pirates. Man, they really didn't have a real good what-if for the Pirates, huh? What if they didn't draft Brian Bullington? They could have had in that draft, well, they drafted with the number one pick, they drafted Bullington, said they'd be the number three, and then said he'd took a couple, he still was a couple years away, and they could have had the likes of B.J. Upton, Zach Greinke, or Prince Fielder. I just like how their what if for the Pirates is literally a guy no one's ever heard of, and we're talking about draft picks, when in baseball, like the hardest thing is to nail draft picks because oh there's yeah. 40 rounds and, and baseball is such a different sport than like the NFL draft. Yeah. But at the same time, how are they not mentioning anything that had to do with like Andrew McCutcheon when he was like in his MVP season? I know. I, I don't know like anything off the top of my head, but I feel like if you're talking pirates from 2000 on, it had to somehow revolve around McCutcheon. Cause that's the only thing good about the pirates in the last 20 yeah, it's, years. Yes, it's literally Andrew McCutcheon. You're totally right. And they say nothing about Andrew McCutcheon here. It's just this guy. I've never heard of Brian Bullington. But we've heard of the likes of B.J. Upton, Zach Greinke, Prince Fielder. Oh, and I almost forgot the Cardinals. My apologies. And here's the biggest what-if moment for the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, real quick before I tell you that, Rowdy. Well, like, why, why don't they just be like, well, if Andrew McCutcheon never had a back injury or knee yeah. injury. Why, why don't you talk more about McCutcheon? Uh, J8 Krabs, what's up, Jordan? He tweets me at Ebo says, going back to, I asked, what's the one thing, is there anything Ken Griffey Jr. ever did wrong besides get injured, and that's not even his fault? Jordan says, only thing Griffey didn't do right was he didn't take roids to stay healthy. <laughs> well, couldn't you say then he'd take the roids, get off, and they get even unhealthier? Couldn't you do it that way? I don't know. Some people, some people are pretty firm that Ken Griffey Jr. used PEDs. Others aren't. Yeah. I fall in the I fall in the he didn't, but I know people that strongly believe he did. They just want to bring the kid down. And then finally for the St. Louis Cardinals, their biggest what if. What if they'd have hired Terry Francona? The Cardinals sent Tony LaRussa out with the World Series Championship in two thousand and one, and there were two primary candidates to replace him, Francona or Mike Matheny. I think I think it's been okay for the Cardinals though, don't you think? Yeah, I mean the the Cardinals have always been good. Yeah. I don't know. Since I started watching baseball, they've always been solid. Yeah, so there you go. There's another. There's your what-ifs for all the NL teams. <laughs> Robbie, before we talk some uh, NFL, I saw on your Twitter timeline at Rob Reichel a little Badger football trivia. You said there have been six years with uh, six years with a college football playoff. How many schools have made the playoffs, and where does Bucky rank among D1 teams with the most wins that haven't made the playoffs? Can you tell me the answers to those? Well, you could you could throw it out as a trivia question today for your listeners, Evo. I just I thought it would be fun during. I'm gonna the, retweet it pan, during during yeah during during the pandemic as people are you know a little bored and have a little more time on their hands to play some trivia from time to time. I threw that one up there yesterday, so I can text you the answer off the air. So uh, <laughs> okay, um, I don't want to spoil your fun. I'll retweet but, it on the Zone account for you then, Robbie. But, but I but I but I will I will certainly tell you that. Uh, Bucky football is is knocking on the door and probably should have broken through by now. So you you're. you're 
we're all hoping it's coming quickly, right? Yeah, man, we really are. And with all the news coming out here right now, I don't know, bro. It's uh, especially with uh, possibly no fans in the stands, but that's a conversation for a different day. I want to talk Packers with you. That's why we got you. That's your bread and butter, man. So, Robbie, Aaron Rodgers finally spoke to the media, and it was kind of uh, open and honest a little bit. What'd you think of Rodgers' comments about Jordan Love and his future with the Packers? Yeah, I thought he was very revealing in that about a 40-minute press conference last week with with reporters, you know, statewide and some national as well. Evo, I'm, you know, the one word he used, I got to count it up, probably a dozen times in the course of in the course of that uh, interview. Evo was control, and I think you certainly got the impression you have a quarterback there who understands um, he no longer holds control. And, and maybe on some level an employee never does over an organization. But, but if anybody is close over the last decade, it's certainly, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Mannings of the world. And when Green Bay went ahead and made that pick of Jordan Love at 26 about a month ago, was it maybe was four weeks ago tonight, I think, Ebo? Um, yeah. Control changed. Control immediately shifted. Um, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers had at least, you know, half the control in his relationship last year with Matt LaFleur. That, that's probably over. Um, if he had any control or pull in the Brian Gutekunst relationship, that is largely over. Now, his cap dollars say, you know, he will be a Green Bay Packer in 2020 and in 2021. Uh, by 2022, the dead cap money is not dramatic, and they can get out of that contract relatively easy, Ebo, in terms of what it's going to cost them financially against the cap. Um, but even for the next couple of years, Aaron Rodgers does not have the control evil that, you know, that he once has and, and once, you know, did inside this organization because if, if he gets to the line of scrimmage next year, evil and changes a quarter of the plays like he's been known to do many years under McCarthy and, and now LaFleur and, and they like where Jordan Love is, I mean, they, they certainly have the option to, to put in, to put in the, the rookie or if it's a year from now, the second-year quarterback with Love and, and make a statement that way. Um, I just – Everything shifted from a power control standpoint the night that they took Jordan Love. And, um, you know, I, I think that was really telling and really interesting uh, in terms of Rogers kept going back to that. He, I think he fully understands now the chances, Evo, of him finishing his career as a Packer are, are extremely slim. Probably the only ways that happens now, Evo, is Jordan Love stinks. <laughs> or Aaron Rodgers leads them to another Super Bowl at some point in time, and then it's then it's impossible almost from a PR and a and a fan standpoint to, to get rid of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But assuming those two things don't happen, Evo, um, I, I think you'll see Jordan Love under center in 2022, and, and I think Aaron Rodgers understands that that's likely as well. Man, Robbie, could you imagine if Jerry Krause was still alive and the manager of the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers goes and wins a <laughs> Super Bowl, and then Krause is like, "Yeah, we're shipping him out." That'd be crazy. And, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he'd get rid of Lafleur, and <laughs> right, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he'd get rid of the Smith brothers, and he'd get rid of Aaron Jones, right? Because yeah. big, sixteen and zero wouldn't do it for Jerry uh, Crowe, right? Funny, funny. wasn't going to do it for too funny, day. man. So I was cruising around on CBSSports.com, and they had a, an agent's take on. They said they're talking about when the Packers, if it ever happened, the Packers when they should trade Aaron Rodgers based on how his contract is structured. And uh, could you see a scenario where they do end up trading Aaron Rodgers down the road? Yeah, and again, I, I think it's two years from now, Evo, is probably the most likely. Um, you know, Rodgers is smart and he's crafty, and much like Brett Favre, he may try manipulating his way to a to a certain team, and, 
and try pleading with the organization or having his agents work back channels to to wind up in a certain spot. You know, maybe that's inside the division. Maybe that's a Chicago or a Minnesota. My best guess, Ebo is much like Brett Favre started with, you know, his first move was to the New York Jets. The Packers, if if and when they do trade Aaron Rodgers, um, they will definitely ship him outside the NFC. They won't they won't want to face him, um, obviously twice a year in the division, but certainly you know have the chance of, of butting heads with him uh, in in a playoff game. I mean, can you imagine if if Rodgers would beat Love in a playoff game? What the reaction would be? Um, you guys remember how insane those games were in '09 when when Favre beat the Packers twice. And um, they had the Favre cameras in Lambeau following his every step on the, the Fox cameras and, you know, Favre getting booed in and out of the stadium and flipped off by everybody. I mean, the passion that day was, was honestly, well, that, that was unlike any, any football game I've ever seen or been to. And, um, you know, that, that, that trumped, honestly, NFC championship games and um, playoff games and things to that effect. Evo. So, you know, if, if Rogers somehow worked his way inside the division, we'd, We'd have just pandemonium number two, much like that, you know, summer of '09. But um, I, again, I, I think he will be traded at some point in time. Evil. Um, my best guess again is, is that outside the conference. I, I wrote about that. I don't know a few weeks back for Forbes and kind of explored some teams that have holes right now. You know, um, it, it's going to look different a year or two down the road. Evil when they when they do trade him. I mean, if you if you looked at it 12 months from now. Um, you know, Indianapolis is going to need a quarterback. Phillip Rivers is a one-year stopgap. We'll see what happens with the Raiders out in out in Las Vegas. But if things don't go well with with Carr, they would love to make a splash. I'm sure bringing in a guy like Aaron Rodgers to to sell tickets out there. Belichick was has been in love with Aaron Rodgers forever. So if this Jared Stidham thing doesn't go well, that would certainly be an be an option at some point for Green Bay um, and and mm-hmm. the Patriots as well. But but no, Evo, I I certainly think that you know, uh, you, you know if, if you were laying down a bet right now, bet for him to be traded, and then the question becomes where. Yeah, that's a good point. Rob Reichel joining us right now, uh, Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Rob Reichel. Robbie, speaking of Twitter, man, I was cruising around uh, a couple days ago, and it was an account at Sportsline. It's Sportsline, and they have, like, fantasy football and data guys and number crunchers and you name it, and they ran the NFL season 10,000 times. And in those simulations, 10,000 simulations, in the NFC North, the Vikings won it 43% of the time. The Bears came in second, winning the NFC North 21% of the time. The Packers won it 20% of the time. And the Lions, 9.6% of the time. What do you think the NFC North is going to look like you know, moving forward? And they said their one complaint about the Packers was that, yes, they were 13-3, and three, but their point differential is more of a 9-7 and seven team. Where do you think the Packers are fighting when it comes to uh, the NFC North with the Vikings and the Bears? Yep, and Evo, that's just the way the the guys in the desert see it. Vegas has them at nine and a half wins, so they they see them as a very fluky slash fortunate thirteen and three football team from a year ago. The the point differential I think was plus sixty three, maybe, um, and that you know that that typically says nine and seven, ten and six. You know the the thirteen and three teams a lot of times Evo have a plus minus of about plus two hundred. You know. That's, that's where the Ravens were last year. That's where the 49ers were. That's where the Patriots were. So um, I still even think Green Bay is the best team in the division. And, and you know me, I'm, I'm far from a homer. I'm as straight of a shooter as it, as it gets. But Minnesota suffered just some ridiculous losses on, on defense in the offseason. And then they traded away their number one wide receiver to Buffalo. So now I know Minnesota went to replenish some of those positions in the draft, Evo. They, they got a wide receiver. 
receiver, Jefferson from LSU, who Green Bay loved, and, and I think is going to become a really good player. But he's probably not going to be a great player in 2020, Evo. He's probably a 35-catch guy where Stephon Diggs will have 75 catches out in Buffalo. So, you, you know, the Vikings, for example, went backwards at, at that position, and I, and I think you could make the case, looking at what they did with that defense, because they were in some real salary cap hell, um, they they went backwards a little bit on defense too, so I, I don't think Minnesota's improved at all from being a ten and six football team. Evo last year that was three games worse than Green Bay. The, the key, the question, obviously, with Chicago was going to be quarterback play. Um, you know, I'm betting on Foles winning that job, and and I think that'll be an upgrade. And I think the defense is still really good. That's probably a, still a top six or eight defense um, in the league. But can they can they score enough points to? To win football games, can Foles at the end of the game make enough plays to to outgunsling Aaron Rodgers? Um, I'm I'm still believe me. I don't. I think I think Green Bay is about fourth or fifth in the conference. Evo. I think San Francisco's ahead of them. I think I think New Orleans is ahead of them. I think Seattle's ahead of them. I think Tampa Tampa Bay could be. I think Philadelphia is right in that same area as Green Bay. But I think inside the NFC North, Green Bay's still the team. Evo, and um, I haven't seen what the line is or the odds are for them to win the division. Via Vegas, um, I, I I did see that. Um, Nelson just gave me the finger. About. Nelson's looking it up for you, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I I would think they're still a slight favorite, maybe. Evo, even though this thing came back and said the Vikings won their little little game that they played. Well, we, we've known simulations and other things would be very yeah, wrong but, a lot of times, right? I mean, but but um, Evo, I'm I'm just telling you, until proven otherwise, and. And I know the start of that schedule for Green Bay is really tricky, and you know that they could easily be sitting at 500 at the break. But but the way things line up in that second half for them, Evo, especially getting all the home games late in the year, I I still think Green Bay is the team to beat. Evo, I, I think they'll I think they'll get to 10 or 11 wins when it's all said and done. Wow, I love it, Robbie, my man. Okay, and uh, Nelson's still efforting. He's a little rusty because he hasn't been able to gamble in a while, so I don't think he's he's fast on the on the lines as he once was before this coronavirus. But Rob, before he lets you go, man, what Rob, color? Oh, oh, Packers and Vikings, same odds to win the division, both plus okay. one seventy five. Yeah, I I I throw a quick hundred on Green Bay to get one seventy five back. Rowdy, hey, I, I, Robbie. I, I, like, I like I like that quite a bit, guys. Nelson also has said that he doesn't want people to sleep on the Lions. What do you think about that one? I, I I take about a, I take a nap by about quarter to nine on the line. <laughs> hey, I didn't say to win the division. No, I just said not, to don't be sleep a, on an all right team. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Robbie. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, pal. See, See you, buddy. Rob Reichel, right there. Check out at Forbes.com. Also on Twitter at Rob Reichel. All right, so we've been talking a lot about today about college football reopening fans in the stands. You name it, like Ohio State, their athletic director. He said they've been crunching the numbers for social distancing. They're doing a bunch of simulations for Ohio Stadium, which holds over 100,000 people. With their current guidelines, the most they can get into their stadium, twenty to 22,000 people, fans in the stands. So check this out. Many programs across the country are in the early stages of developing reopening plans for their football and basketball training facilities, obviously, transforming them into virus-proof facilities. Virus-proof. Yeah, virus-proof facilities. They're extending social distancing practices into their buildings, sanitizing them like never before, inside and out. Here's a thought. Yeah? If universities are going to do this, why doesn't every single business make their business virus-proof? If this is really going to work. Um. <laughs> this is so dumb. 
So I'm trying to think of um, if you ever seen the movie The Aviator. It's where Leonardo DiCaprio plays Howard Hughes. And Howard Hughes, by the end of his life, is like some freak germaphobe who can't leave his room because he's scared of any little microbe. I hate to break it to Howard Hughes. If There's three trillion microbes on your body at all times. Yeah, but, I never quite understood that. Like, you can't even see them. Well, these facilities are making their facilities virus-proof. Like, I get it if someone, like... Just hacks a loogie right next to you, and it's disgusting, right? I get it. You can see it. It's there. It's phlegmy. Mm. But you can't you can't see them. No. Right now on your body, there's over three trillion on you. Okay. I just, I just went to the bathroom and washed my hands. And I Did probably, you wash for 20 minutes and sing your ABCs? Probably have like two and a half trillion on me still. Oh, they come back right away, bro. All right, so many programs across the country are doing this virus proof. Wink, wink. Social distancing practices, sanitizing like never before. So here's what they're doing. This is if the NCAA does the expected of lifting a national ban on campuses, which which they've kind of voted on and did. Now it's up to their, it's up to the facilities now of like the chancellor and and people that are in certain. They're looking it up to be your decision essentially if you work there. So coaches and staff members in masks and gloves. Temperature tests at the front of doors, hand, sin- hand sanitizing stations around every corner, weight room squat racks 20 feet apart, stairwells with one-way movement, a set for going up and a set for going down, elevators with a maximum occupancy of two, nutrition stations offering only packaged snacks, and at least in the beginning, some schools won't allow access to showers there will be no passing of football back and forth either, at least early on. And this article is from sportsillustrated.com. They also say being implemented, yeah. Now they'll be passing around skin diseases and uh, staph infections <laughs> from not showering. Um, you ever it'll get a bad be, case of that ringworm? Be, yeah, get a little one, empentigo on you? Be one outbreak to the next. A little ringworm on that mat, Rowdy? So they also have this, no sharing towels or water bottles, which I'm sure people have done anyways to begin with. No hugging, no high-fiving, no weight training exercises that require assistance from a spotter. Quote, it will be the new norm. God, I hate that saying. Says Tori Lindley, a president of the National Athletic Trainers Association and an associate athletic director at Northwestern. Quote, it will be the best we can do. We're all hoping to put forward the safest environment for our student-athletes. <laughs> so many questions. They also will be bringing out. This is where you get. This is where it's, Nelson. Your nickname is Rowdy Razor, correct? Yes. Your Twitter handle is Rowdy underscore Razor. There is now, even before the coronavirus pandemic shut down, the University of Houston had a thing called Razor, R A Z O R, all capital letters. Razor made its on-campus debut. It was first commissioned by University of Houston as flu-preventing measures. It's a powerful fogging machine that will coat the Cougars' entire weight room, locker room, and training areas in a germ-killing substance that endures for up to three months. Imagine every facility across the country in college campuses, probably pros too, or wherever, imagine a giant fogging machine that coats everything 
and kills germs for up to three months, coats everything. Doesn't so that sound have, like a health hazard as well, though? Yeah. So uh, do they only have to use it like once every three months then, or are they using it every day? Uh, from what I can gather in this is it's, it's once every three months. Now, as schools mobilize to welcome back their athletes next month, the Razor is a very well-timed investment, Sports Illustrated says. It is uniquely designed to do one thing and one thing only, to kill a virus, says TJ Meager, an associate athletic director at University of Houston. I just, the weight, the weight room thing is just, what? So you can get in there and lift weights, but you can't lift weights that, no are, spotter. that are heavy where you need a spotter. Let's use the so Smith you, machine. So, you, so you're safe if you lift light weights where you don't need a spotter, but it can get quite dangerous when you need a spotter. Well, the, dude, this is where the Smith dude, machine. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about the Smith machine, Nelson? The one that essentially doesn't require a spotter. Great. Spray it once every three months. <laughs> So the razor will soon be in action again. The spelling uh, into the air, the spelling into the air chemicals that will settle on surfaces and bond together to protect dozens of athletes in a suddenly health-conscious world. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to find at some point we're gonna have to come to grips where if you want to live this way, you're not gonna be able to do things that you want to do. Like we're not gonna be able to have football if we want to be this healthy and this. My question, though, when you're literally killing all these germs in this powerful razor machine that dispenses into the air chemicals, how healthy is that? How You're breathing it in. Now, I don't know exactly what they're using, but if you're killing all these germs and it coats it for three months, I got to think if you're breathing that in or coming into contact with it, Every time you're in the gym, I don't think that sounds the like, healthiest either. Yeah, like places like the weight room, they aren't meant to be disinfected. They're meant for like blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> like, geez. You're bleeding in the weight room? What the hell are you doing in your weight room? Sounds Get, like you need two spotters. Getting better. <laughs> uh, Nelson, I ain't got time to bleed. All right, we'll be coming right back. This is just, uh, yeah, this is it, man. This is. Uh, you know what they say, Ebo? No one ever died from sweat. No one ever drowned in their own sweat, Ebo. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that a lot lately. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, I got more from this article. That's pretty crazy, man. So I'm just going over the Sports Illustrated article about, you know, them prepping to come back with they got all these ideas of moving the weight room, separating them out, no spotters. They're going to have a big fog machine called the Razor to go and just disinfect everything with these giant chemicals sprayed everywhere, which honestly doesn't sound that healthy if you're breathing it in. And then there's this, Nelson. How about this? Then it's on to the weight room in this article for Sports Illustrated to set up with social distancing in mind. Machines will be spaced apart and hand sanitizing stations abound. Some officials are even relocating their weight room outdoors, which honestly wouldn't be the bad thing. You get some UV rays at you. Yeah, but here's the thing. Even if they're putting them outdoors, isn't they're still sweating on well, the... Well, here you go. I'm glad you bring that up. Strength staff members super, will supervise lifts, sanitizing equipment between rotations, and ensuring players keep their distance from one another. Some schools may require face shields or masks while weight training. Fearing grunting players will expel too many vapor droplets into the air. Will If you're a grunter when you're... Suit, suit, suit. Come on, bro. Give me another one. You'll have to wear a mask. 
because they fear grunting players will expel too many vapors. Vapor droplets, excuse me, in the air. Isn't there already, like, some place, uh, like a workout place, where you there's no, like, grunting or yelling? Yeah, it's um, Planet Fitness. It's called the Lunk Alarm. If you grunt too loud or drop a weight, they – here's the funny thing about Planet Fitness. They're all about a judgment-free zone. So it's judgment-free. You're not supposed to judge anyone there. But if you grunt too loud or if you say you drop a weight, the lunk alarm goes off. A giant, it sounds like a giant, like, warning, like a huge, like, nuclear missile siren. And they point out the person that did it to shame them into not doing it again. So you're in a judgment-free zone, but let's say if you grunt to, you know, grunt something or you drop a weight, the lunk alarm goes off on you and everyone looks at you and shames you and judges you. <laughs> I'm not saying that when I lifted weights that I was screaming and grunting <gasps> as loud as I can. But come on, that's that's that comes with the territory. So a weight room square footage will determine the number of players per grouping, as few as ten and as many as thirty, according to various administrators. If you're not if you're not sweating, you ain't if you're trying. Not, if you're not having droplets going places, <laughs> if you don't have a little bit of an emotion when you're doing it, are you even lifting weights? Are you even exercising? So after weighing comes conditioning. And they just go on and on about separate water bottles for everyone, which they already do anyways. Separate towels for everyone, which you kind of already do anyways. And forget about gathering players around group hydration stations. And as far as locker rooms, they say they might not just be used at all. One school is considering a plan to block off most lockers, leaving only a small cluster to be reused by each grouping and clean between sessions. Then they go on and on about nutrition. This is pretty wild. All right, but more of uh, the last dance here. So we were talking yesterday about pizza, uh, the pizza that this guy in Utah said that he made properly and never poisoned Michael Jordan and yada, yada, yada. Well, his story kind of stunk, and it maybe sounded like they were trying to get the advantage by bringing Jordan down, which caused the flu game. Turns out it was food poisoning game. Well, check this out. How about this? Maybe the Chicago Bulls had their own advantage when players came to Chicago to play in the finals. Former Jazz forward Antoine Carr this is crazy. Believes that the Bulls had a secret weapon. Back-to-back NBA Finals 1997-1998, in order to gain a potential advantage, former Jazz forward Antoine Carr believes that the Bulls would have Playboy models deliver cakes to their hotel, and then once they open the door, they would flash them. Quote, that's that's the excuse? Carr alleges that there were multiple oh. occasions where a Playboy model would arrive at a player's hotel room with a cake the night before a game. Quote, they would show up in a trench coat, and then when they get to present you with your cake, the coat comes off, they're butt naked, they say, welcome to Chicago, here's your cake. He said, if you're a young man, all you can think about the night before the finals game is a beautiful girl standing naked in your hotel door. That's going to throw you off. He said it didn't work. He said, quote, it didn't work on me, but, <laughs> but the cake was really good. How about that for an advantage? You come to Chicago to play against Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the height of the Bulls, and you get a little knock on your door. Well, who's there? You open it up. There's a Playboy model with a trench coat and a cape, or a, a cape, a cake. As you open the door, open up the door, 
off comes the trench coat of a Playboy model who's offering you a cake. Do you think that was an advantage, if that's true? No. You don't think so? No. You don't think one guy would be like thinking about it all game like, man, dude, man, the, uh, the cover model for January was at my door with a cake butt naked, man. What, what do I do? What should I have done? Did I blow it? The only person that that would distract would be the 15th guy on the end of the bench. The guy that's like <laughs> seven foot goony looking dude from like Lithuania. Because all the other guys, they walk around, they have women that look like that all the time. <laughs> now, if you are like, in the like, NBA. What, what are we talking about? If you're in the NBA, you got hangers on yeah, everywhere. they're all over. You can, you can just step outside and pe- they're called jersey chasers. The hangers on flock. They will throw themselves at you. Look at, uh, like, is it, uh, who was, uh, who's Blake Griffin have kids with? Isn't she married to Matt Leinart? They had, she had a bunch of kids with Matt Leinart, then they got a divorce, and now she's, like, boinking some other dude, and she got kids with him? <sighs> who knows? The hanger-ons are everywhere, dude. I don't think you need, well, it's, I mean. Yeah, then it wasn't, uh, Griffin with, like, a, a Jenner? I, yes, I think and it was. And then it was, yeah. like, someone else. It's, like, it doesn't, yeah. just, it's a revolving door. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't you, matter. You think. Those, One weekend in Chicago is going to be distracting. You ever seen a bald tire with all the tread missing? That's what those hangers on looks like, Rowdy. <laughs> I mean, what's tread left on those tires? So yeah, uh, I feel like that's a sorry excuse. Carr, uh, Antoine Carr played for the Jazz. I feel like he's just trying to brag. He was in his mid thirties when he was with the Jazz, and when they took on the Bulls in the NBA Finals, Chicago obviously ended up winning both of those series. We all know that. Carr clearly didn't fall for the alleged tricks. He said uh, he didn't fall for it. The cake was good, though, because he had a strong Game 5 performance in Chicago. You know, when you get the mailman, call him alone, and John Stockton. But Carr had 12 points and secured four rebounds. That was a good game for him. That game was essential to Jazz's survival as it forced the Game 6. That was that one where they you know, they took it in uh, Chicago. And when he came back to Utah, though, he only scored four points. <laughs> So, yeah, it's worth noting that the Jazz only won one out of six games in Chicago during the 97 and 98 NBA Finals. So they're saying perhaps some of the players took the bait. All right, let's advance the story. Say it is true. Say they did do this. Who's the ringleader that's uh, who started it? Whose idea was this? Michael Jordan's. Because, you know, Dennis Robin would be like, yo, send it to my room instead. Do you think Michael Jordan? Well, who are you thinking? I don't know. Dark Horse. Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. <laughs> Does Jerry Krause look like a guy who would get Playboy models to do what he wants them to do? He does got a lot of money. Maybe maybe Carmen Electra was involved into this. I bet you they had Carmen Electra. Maybe it was Dennis and Carmen. They're like, yo, I got an idea. We're going to get the hottest Playboy models we can find. We're going to get cakes that say, welcome to Chicago. We're going to buy them trench coats, and we're going to distract wait, wait. the jazz was players. She a, was she a Playboy model? Nelson. Was Carmen Electra a Playboy model? Nelson. Carmen Electra, yes. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm gonna pull up some of that right now. Just uh, do a little show research, if you will. Oh yeah, she was definitely so a Playboy model. So she did in May of 1996. Oh, right around the same time frame. So maybe she'd have some friends on the inside. Oof. Man, good thing we don't got a firewall on these computers here in the office. I tell you that. Yeah, wow, the timeline timeline lines up. I can well. verify for a fact after doing, and this is strictly for show topics, for research for the show. It has to be done strictly for the show and the show only. I can verify right now that Carmen Electra was indeed a Playboy model. 
May of 96. Again, strictly for the show and for the topic at hand. That's it. She'd be connected. 1996, Carmen Lecture. She's in a couple, actually. Um, This this one's from 2003, so that's a little later. Jordan comes up with the idea. Like, he thinks about it, right? And just in passing, Rodman runs with it because he's got the connection with Carmen Electra, who then drops a drops a line to her friends with Playboy, and then that's how it all gets set up. <laughs> I, I feel like Carmen Electra is involved in the story somehow. No, no, no. Actually, I got, I got it. You got it? Jerry Krause comes oh, up God, with Jerry the idea. Jerry Krause comes up with the idea. He tries to mention it to Michael. Michael shuns him away like, get out of here. You're an idiot. <laughs> then he starts thinking about it and goes, man, maybe this can work. And then Justin Passing is accidentally talking to Rodman. And Rodman's like, yo, I'm and dating Rodman's a Playboy like, model. I'm married to one, actually. Elect- Carmen Electra, she's connected. I'll have, her, I'll have her talk to some friends. And boom, it's done. And boom show. That's my theory. I'm sticking with it. I, I mean, it's not. you're not probably far off. I believe that Carmen Electra was in it. The Jazz only won one out of six games in Chicago. Antoine Carr from the Jazz alleges that the Bulls would send Playboy models in trench coats with cakes to their hotel room, disrobe, and offer them a cake. Carmen Electra totally is the ringleader in this one. She was in Playboy in 1996. Man, think about that hotel security, just letting people in in trench coats. Oh, it was a, it was a different kind of world back then, <laughs> Rowdy. <laughs> well, if you see like a Playboy model in a trench coat, with the cake, don't you have kind of an idea what's going to happen? When I, whenever I think someone wearing a trench coat, I think trench coat mafia, or I think someone's naked underneath it and ready to streak. <laughs> and in 1996, there was no trench coat mafia, or 97. So I'm probably thinking that someone's about to streak. Like, yeah, you can come on in. Oh, you're a Playboy man? Oh, yeah. Tell me what floor you're going to. I'd like to go watch. <laughs> I just like how they're like, yes. Antoine Carr is like, yep, this was their, the trick that ace up their sleeve. He didn't fall for it. He took the cake, though. But apparently other people fell for it, and Carmen Electra's got to be involved somehow. You think Carl Malone fell for it? I would love to ask him. <laughs> He's got a checkered past. <laughs> I would love to ask him. Uh, so, Nelly, I mean, is this, is, this, is this fair? Is this fair when it comes to professional sports? Would, uh, would you ever do something like this to gain the advantage? Me personally, no. You'd but never... I think it's hilarious, especially if it's true. Because I think, I think if it is true, I think we definitely nailed the theory right there. Well, the timeline just adds up with Carmen Electra. There's no doubt in my mind Carmen Electra is involved. Right? And I think it came top down. Jerry Krause. <laughs> Did you mean top down? Did you mean that innuendo? <laughs> Did you mean top down like that? Okay. Oh, too funny, man. All right, I just wanted to get that out there. I thought it'd be a little funny, you know, lighten the mood a little bit topic here when it comes to Playboy models. And again, I want to be crystal clear in all this. I had to verify Carmen Electra was indeed in Playboy, so I went to Google Images and I had to verify it. Strictly for the show, nothing else. It's called it's called show research. I'll vouch to HR. Zach, what's going on today, man? How you doing, guys? Uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. We had a lot of conversations when it comes to college football today, and I saw my man over here at MadCitySportsZone.com, Zach, put an article out uh, about the NCAA. The council voted yesterday to allow voluntary athletic activities for football, men's basketball, and women's basketball 
starting on June 1st through June 30th, but isn't Wisconsin's campus closed till June 30th? It is, and that would seem to be a bit of an issue there, along with the forward Dane uh, thing that came out. Uh, I know you guys are big fans of that. Uh, well, we're not fans of the Phase 3. Right, right. So, But like that, that is probably also something that would factor in, but I, I contacted UW to see if they had even talked about it, like pot- potentially doing it, and I haven't heard back from yet. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like it's probably not something that Wisconsin is going to be able to take advantage of. It's May 21st, right? Yeah. Starts June 1st. I know Ohio State's been planning for weeks now to have students back on campus on June totally. 1st. and that Or not students, but athletes back on campus June 1st. So I think they're in a position to do it. Wisconsin is not. But I think the the biggest point of this all is – it maybe makes it a little bit easier, perhaps, is the fact that it's not sanctioned by, or it's not the coaches are not on, aren't there. Yeah. They would not be there. They would not be the ones setting this up. So the players themselves could do it. Say a whole bunch of Wisconsin kids are back in Madison, uh, Wisconsin football players back in Madison, they could set it up themselves and do a practice if they wanted to. Like, no matter what the... No matter what the no, uh, is there like rules on how many people can? It's no, is it still like no more groups larger than ten, or is it? Do you? I, I mean, I don't. There's so many. I have so many questions, right, and there's right. so many conflicting answers out there. And, yeah, I mean, again, the the state doesn't matter anymore, right? So it's just Dane County, County and Madison. Yeah. Again, I I think that I don't think it's going to happen based on what the university will do. Yeah. But I think the, I think the kids could. But again, these kids are all over the country right now. That's the one thing that I th- is a big question mark because, okay, Dane County, sure. But there's a ton of people coming from, not from Madison, not from Dane County. There's And and in your article, and you made a really good point in here, a large portion of the athletic department is working on reduced hours. Yeah. And there's probably people that got, and there's people that got referred load as well. So yeah. what are you going to do when people are coming in? The kids want to come in. And that was like the thing. So like when I reached out to – Somebody with the in the athletic department got an email back saying I'm working reduced hours, uh, usually between nine and two. I'll get back to you at my. So you uh, asked about clarification on all this, and yeah. the email you got back was essentially like, "I are I'm on reduced hours. Don't bother me." Well, no, no, I got I got two emails. I, I sent one to one person. One said, "I'll circle back." I'll. I'll those are in, my own words, not Zach's words. Yeah, I'll look into it for you. Yeah. And then, like I had sent another one, and that was the email that came back saying, I'm "Working on reduced gotcha. hours. I'll so get back to you." Some things take priority over others. Hey, again, I'm. I feel horrible for them. Like I, I feel oh, horrible tough. for anybody that is having to deal with reduced hours or out of work and all that. And yep. like sports is so irrelevant in the, in the big picture. But there are people affected by their not being sports, us included. But like athletic departments around the country being impacted, and um, yeah. you know, they're, they're, all those hours got like between twenty and fifty percent got reduced for all these people in the athletic department. I'm not talking about Paul Christ and. No, you're, you're talking I'm about talking people about, no one ever hears I'm talk, about. I'm talking about people who are making, you know, $45,000, $50,000 a year getting 20 to 50% cut. Yeah, big time reduced. So my question moving forward is, now, the Dane forward plan, Yeah. phase three, is a vaccine. Right. It is, we will get out of phase three will continue until widespread protections such as a vaccine are available. And in phase three for the Dane Forward plan, no more than 250 people can be in a group. So my question is, and then earlier today, a story broke. I saw it on NBC News, uh, CNN, et cetera. There was a U.S. scientist that have worked for cancer research, HIV, and AIDS saying in genome projects that had said, there is, is very unlikely there will ever be a vaccine for the coronavirus. 
and essentially to don't hold your breath. So my question in Dane County is with the 250 in phase three, which they need a vaccine to move out of phase three. Now that scientist could be wrong. And I'm just going by what they said and what they reported. That scientist could be wrong. and There could be a vaccine. Sure. But in this, if anything is what a year away, they said for a legit vaccine, allegedly what happens when football starts up and we're still not out of phase three and only 250 people are there is that, are we just looking at no fans in the stands then? I know you don't know the exact answer. I'm just this year? speculating. Or just yeah. ever again. This year. <laughs> ever eventually people will be like this, I've had enough. I feel yes. like I feel like three weeks ago people were laughing at the idea of college athletes being back on campus June first. Yeah. And now a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of places are gonna have athletes back on campus June first. You know, so I, I things are moving pretty quickly. As I said last week when we talked, people are getting ups- annoyed of having to stay inside. People are getting tired of all like I don't I don't think I, I think the public backlash of it is going to be too great to hold back the message. Hold back. Yeah. Now this year, I, there's probably a good chance of it. Yeah. Like I think there there is probably a good chance of it, or it's going to be reduced, kind of like Ohio State saying. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up. To yeah, you. like they can, you know, Gene Smith, the athletic director, said they can find a way to fit fifty thousand people into their stadium. That's if they if they reduce the. Um, guidelines they set place right now it's 20 to 22,000 but if they pull back some of the restrictions it's 40 to 50,000 didn't he tweet is it well I got it right here this uh, ESPN article said um normal capacity of 100,000 did he update his tweet would hold a crowd closer to 20 to 22,000 fans and up to up to 40 to 50,000 fans quote if guidelines are relaxed Zach you know what they got to do it could be those articles last updated at 255 yesterday they got to start installing UV lights in the stadiums so when it comes to Ohio State... Well, here's the thing, Nelson. It's interesting you mentioned that because I was reading something yesterday on the, the subways in, in New York. Yeah. They're cleaning them at night with UV rays. Mm-hmm. Now, what you suggested was playing under UV light. <laughs> for the NBA, right? For the NBA, which is... And they say it was an honor which, for Kobe. Which is slightly different than... Honor for Kobe. Than, honor than, for Kobe. Than, uh, than using it as a cleaner in the middle, like, you know, when nobody's there. Question. Like, it's slightly different. If you're playing under it, you're cleaning everything. <laughs> That's not how it works, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. So I'm just in this article, Zach. Yeah, yeah, I saw what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. they just if said if the guidelines are, are relaxed. Yeah, yeah. So, but best case scenario, let's say it's 50,000 fans. Yeah. So places are finding enough to uh, are finding ways around that. Now, will Wisconsin want to find ways around it? We've already heard from uh, uh, Rebecca Blank, the chancellor, saying that they're going to have some in-person classes this year. But she mentioned within that email to everybody that you know large lectures probably you're not going to be a reality. And yeah. so if you're not willing to put, what, 250, 300 kids, maybe even more in a lecture hall, are you going to put 80,000 or even 50,000 or even 20,000 in a stadium? That is still a lot to be decided. I mean, there's there's so much up in the air. But again, as of a couple of weeks ago, no one thought that we'd be in this position where kids were coming back to campus. So I, I think maybe we wait another couple of weeks. Maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, that's we, what wait it another is. Month. Again, they don't have to make a decision right now. They, I mean, there's still so much time. As uh, J.C. Treder, who's the Players Association president for the NFLPA and former Packers center, he said, we're in a very envious spot as opposed to basketball and baseball, which are having to make decisions while their seasons are ongoing. Right now, yeah. football's got a couple months. What What's the date, do you think, or a rough date that they're going to have to come up with a, a plan? Like July 1st? Like, I think they're coming up with plans right now. I think they're coming up with contingencies right now. And... But uh, make a final decision? Make a final decision. On what? Whether to hold football games? Yeah, like, I guess, if you're opening campuses. Because obviously Ohio State has said, we're going to open them now. 
Madison is what July first, uh, June thirtieth is June thirtieth. So to this point, it's closed to June thirtieth. And then you're going to have to decide your stadiums. What are you going to do there? Are you going to let anyone in? Twenty percent, fifty percent. Well, it's not just stadiums. It's also you know the weight room. It's practices. It's right. all that stuff. So I think that and Gene Smith made a good point is instead of these kids going to gyms like at their local and their local cities and their towns, they're coming to which are just going to be cesspools for the virus, you would think. Wipe your, wipe your equipment down. Nelson. <clears throat> Nelson, wipe it down. Uh, <laughs> I wiped it down with my sweat. What are you talking no about? No one's ever What's, drowned in sweat, right, Nelly? Who do you You know, bringing those kids back to campus into a controlled environment and only having like 10 at a time in a gym, like it's, it's an easier thing to do. But yeah. um, those are all problems that, you know, Wisconsin is having to go through right now, having to deal with right now and, and trying to come up with, with plans around it. But... Again, this is not going to just be a athletic department decision. It's going to be a decision yeah, oh, that comes yeah. from the chancellor and also city and city and county government. And right now, there's no county in the state that has greater restrictions than Dane County, potentially long term than Dane County. That's why I said earlier, and it will make the people down in that uh, Regent Street in Monroe area, Monroe Street area, very happy. You get Camp Randall just for this year, move it to, like, say Iowa County, and all of a sudden you're good to go. What do you think? Moving what Camp Randall? To yeah. Me? Okay. Well, you won't even go. You won't even. <laughs> this mother. This mother. Go. Hey, I said language. this. This mother won't even go drive ten minutes to get outside this. Uh, I'm trying to free. My, I'm trying to free my county, bro. But you complain about it. Like no, I'm gonna so, go to Dodge. I'm if, gonna go to Pleasant. If you, were, if you were so upset about it, drive the ten minutes to go get a beer somewhere else. Here's what I'm gonna do. And you're invited. I'll drive. I, I don't want to go to Dodgeville. <laughs> Not many. We'll be do. on the outside of Dodgeville. We'll go to Pleasant. We'll go to Pleasant Ridge store. We'll mm. say hey to Charlie. We'll get a beer. Not not Charlie that calls in a different Charlie. Where's where is 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 the Pleasant Springs Pub in Dane County? Yes. No, this is Pleasant Ridge Store. I know, but I was asking in general. Yes. Because that'd be that wouldn't be a horrible place to go. You can go uh, ask what uh, Alex Hornibrook's been up to. And then we could go to Dino's in Dodgeville. That's in Dodgeville. We go to Bob's dude, last time I was at Bob's Bitch and Barbecue, hey, Paul Chris was there. Does this look does this is it Paul Chris was there last time I was there. So you're trying to find reasons for me not wanting to go over there? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure he's not going to be there when we go again. Um, I just want to take the Jeep out. You and I, you can be my flag man, and then we'll go, <laughs> and we'll go to well, Dodgeville. Nelly, would you let me borrow you don't, my, uh, your don't tread on me flag? <laughs> yes, first I have to purchase one. Though. Oh, don't. <laughs> he's acting. Come on now. He's acting like he doesn't have one. I, I don't Yeah, you, do, you always talk about it. You said you're going to roll down there. Because the it camp. bugs you. It's hilarious. No, you said you had one. I and thought you it said, was his Twitter profile. Or no, it's, that's yeah, Mel Gibson. What, okay, well, what about that flag that's on your bumper, that one that's like the stars and bars? Like, what's that do all about? Do you have a bumper sticker? I've all seen I it. All I have on my car is rust. <laughs> I'm almost positive you have like a, a stars and bars on the back of that thing. I saw a bumper. It wasn't a bumper sticker, but it was a window decal. Of it said COVID, and then there was a person on top of it uh, banging it. <laughs> so it starts with an F word. It's the F word, F yeah. COVID. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Was, yeah. They were humping it. That's cool. I, again, I maybe I'm looking at a different car. I don't know. I, is your license plate Long Live the South? Is that also? <laughs> <laughs> I think you got the wrong car. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't drive. Feel, a, I, don't I so. drive a beat up Prius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. His bumper sticker says I'm with her. <laughs>